Amen. You may be seated. You know, this Advent season, we're not waiting for hope and love and joy and peace to arrive. We celebrate the arrival of Jesus come in the flesh. But what are we waiting on? We're waiting to experience the fullness of that hope, that love, that joy, and that peace. And in the early Christian tradition, they had a word for that, and that word was Maranatha. Maranatha, which essentially is the heart's cry, and it means, come, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. So during Advent, it is a time of anticipation. It's a time of expectation. But again, not anticipating and expecting love, joy, peace, and hope to come. We know that they arrived in Bethlehem with Jesus some 2,000 years ago. But we are anticipating experiencing the fullness of those things. And that's not going to occur uh, until we're face to face with him. Either when Jesus returns uh, or we go to be with him absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's what Advent is all about. It's a celebration of the coming of Jesus and an anticipation of his return that we might be complete as his followers, as God's children. And so on this second Sunday of Advent, we acknowledge the arrival of love incarnate, Emmanuel, God in the flesh. How many of you watched President Bush's funeral, Bush 41? President Bush's funeral this week, or saw some of the, the you know, uh, news clips of it. Well, just rich. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but where we are in our culture today and, and with politics, and, all, and it's always, you know, kind of been that way to varying degrees, but just the, the nobility of it, just the civility of it, and just the celebration of a life well lived. I don't know about you. I needed that. It, it was it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Powerful celebration of a, a public servant, a man who gave his entire life to to serve, and a powerful celebration of a soldier uh, as well. I was especially moved by uh, George W.'s uh, Bush 43's remarks. Did. Did anybody see that, um, the, the, his son's eulogy of him? I, I tell you, having officiated my own mother's funeral this year, uh, gosh, I know how hard that was for him. Um, and the whole world watching, um, you know, he, he said that he had called his dad uh, as soon as he heard that, that he was dying and, and wasn't going to live through the day so uh he he picked up the phone and, and called his dad and and he said dad i love you you've been a wonderful father man god that we would hear those words in the end he didn't expect to get a reply but he did and his dad said, I love you too. Those were his last words on the face of this earth. I love you too. 
How fitting for a man who loved God, loved his family, loved life, and loved serving his country. To know that he was loved in the end and to leave his family with that very same assurance. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. President Bush was a, a man shaped by sacrifice. Fascinating life when you study it. He was shaped by his own brushes with death early on from a young man. He, he became fearless because of that. A, a man of adventure. Skydiving when he couldn't even walk at the age of 90. He was in a wheelchair. And what did he want for his birthday? He wanted to go skydiving. So they strapped him to probably the best skydiver on the face of the earth, and he with three or four flanking him, and you just, you know, he's smiling, he's having at it. Ninety years old, what do you want for your birthday? I want to jump out of a helicopter. Mm, love that. He was the youngest Navy pilot in U.S. history up to that point in World War II. The youngest one to ever fly. He flew 58 combat missions. And most, most of them didn't make it that far. Uh, he was shot down. He was rescued by a submarine. Saw countless friends make the ultimate sacrifice for his country. The greatest generation. I was reminded of that as I watched the funeral, the proceedings. Just, all, just the greatest generation that is moving Away from us at this point. He and Barbara would later lose their three-year-old daughter, Robin, to leukemia. It was a loss they agonized over their entire lives. The sacrifices that he saw, the sacrifices that he made, shaped him into the man that he was. A servant leader. A strong leader. One who had stared death in the face, placed his trust in the one who conquered it and lived a life of love and service. Sacrifice shaped him into the man he became. It wasn't an easy path to the highest peak. But in the end, his life is defined not by all those accomplishments, but by the last words he heard and the last words he said. I love you. I love you too. In the end, all of our lives are really defined by those same words. Receiving and responding to the greatest gift ever given. John 3.16, the most popular and known verse in the Bible, reads this way. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the gospel. Love sacrifices for the sake of others. I was thinking about that this week, and you know, it crossed my mind that sacrifice is a noble act to view from a distance. <laughs> but it's an entirely different thing 
when it's you carrying the cross. I remember years ago, the first pastor who mentored me a long time ago, he used to always say, you know, that's the thing about living sacrifices, us. <laughs> We've got a tendency to crawl off the altar. Sacrifice is no fun. Sacrifice, though, is the evidence of true love. And it's the heart of the gospel. You know, we've so sanitized the Christmas story, (laughs) so cleaned it up and set it perfectly on the mantelpiece that we forget the sacrifice surrounding it. The imperfection of the entire situation as you read those stories. And I would challenge you to do that this time of the year. Go back. Don't think, well, I've heard that a thousand times. I, you know, I know that. We hear it everywhere we go. We see it. No, huh, man. As I read the stories of Jesus' birth, especially in Matthew and Luke, every year preparing for this time. This is the hardest time of year. This and Easter for, for pastors to preach. Because, like, how many ways can you say it? You know? And after you've been doing this 25, 30 years, it's like, Lord, how can I, you know? And he's like, you just say it the way I said it. But we have so sanitized this story. But when we read it, when we go back and look at it with fresh eyes, man, we begin to see the sacrifice that was part and parcel of Jesus coming into this world. Everything, everything about that first Christmas was hard. Everything. Which tells me that Christmas is not about everything looking and going perfectly. Amen? And we wear ourselves out this time of the year. I I think I've finally gotten to the age where I just, I refuse to do it anymore. I, I, I mean, not that, you know, we do the same things that we've always done. You know, the decorate, all, all of that stuff that comes with this time of the year. But I am just not going to wear myself out over it anymore. Christmas is not about everything looking and going perfectly for God to be present. You hear me? To the contrary. God has never been more present than he was with Mary, Right? Christ in her, literally, the hope of glory. Yet she rode 40 miles on the back of that donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem just to be counted. And when she arrived, there was no bed for her to lay her head, no clean place to be found to give birth. Not a perfect situation. So Jesus is born in a barn There's no cradle there. There's no bed to lay him in. And so that manger is literally a feeding trough. A trough that animals eat out of. And that's where Jesus is ultimately laid. And so love arrived in the least likely place. In spite of the situation. Love showed up. Love entered the picture. Where does that need to happen in your life? Today, in spite of your circumstance, 
In spite of the situation you found or you find yourself in, in spite of things not going as you planned or as you had hoped they would, where does love need to show up anyway? Anyway. And that's the story of Christmas. Jesus came regardless It looked like nothing went as planned, but that was his plan. And that's often the case in our own lives. And we don't see it and we don't understand it, but that is the story of Christmas. Love showing up anyway. And today it's about love showing up anyway through us. In spite of our situation. Mary swaddled Jesus, she fed him, she began to teach him to walk and to t- the Son of God. What a responsibility. The one who spoke life in the world into existence and you're responsible for teaching them to speak. Mm. So Mary begins to do these things with Jesus. And then things went from tough to terrible. Didn't look like it was getting much better. As you read the story, they moved from a barn in Bethlehem to be outcasts in Egypt, fleeing for their lives. When King Herod got wind that the king of the Jews had been born. You remember the story? The Magi come. They approach King Herod who is, who is over that territory. And the Magi asked him where this child was because the king of the Jews had been born as the stars lined up and revealed that to them, that the Messiah had arrived. And in a jealous rage, Herod, not knowing where this king was, but wanting the Magi to come back to him to tell him where he was so that he could celebrate just the opposite. Herod Herod orders the killing of all the male children under the age of two in Bethlehem. It's known as the slaughter of the innocents. We don't put that one on our mantelpiece. Huge part of the story, though. Joseph is told in a dream, if you'll remember, to flee with his family. The angel comes, speaks to him as well, and he's told to flee with his family. Egypt in order to keep Jesus safe so that he'll not be caught up in this slaughter. Matthew two fourteen and 15. And so he got up, Joseph. He took the child, Jesus, and his mother Mary during the night and they left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. Scholars and historians think it's about two years. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called My son, all strangely in the scope of God's plan to save the world. It's hard to understand. In our circumstances, in our situation, and the world around us is often difficult to understand. Difficult to reconcile. Difficult to make sense of. But in the end, just as in the end here, God is sovereign, God is in control And God loves us. I say all that to say this. 
The presence of God does not perfect our circumstances. Do you hear me? Sometimes for Christians it's almost this unspoken thing that, that we, feel, we know better, but we still think, you know, I've surrendered my life to Christ. You know, I love God. I, I show up. I worship Him every week. I give to the kingdom. I do. My life should look like this then. As if he has this responsibility, this quid pro quo, that we do this and he's re- he, he must do this. You don't see that anywhere in the scripture. But we're wired that way. Because we want to crawl off that altar. It's hard to carry the cross. And we feel like God should relieve our burden. But the presence of God does not perfect our circumstances. It never has and it never will. Certainly didn't for Mary. But like Mary, the presence of God does give us the capacity to carry love through our circumstances. A few things to remember this time of the year when things get tougher for any time of the year. For that matter. And in the midst of challenging circumstances, as I read the the, the passage in Luke, when, when, when Gabriel came to Mary in the beginning and told her that this, you know, that this amazing story about who she was going to be and what was going to happen to her, he told her four key things that were literally the words of God to her. And she held on to them. She clung to those four things throughout the course of her life. Last week we closed with what Mary said after the angel told her these four things. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, Mary owned the words that God spoke to her through Gabriel the angel. She trusted them to be true, and she trusted them to get her through. And the same is true for you. The same is true for me. We must trust God's words to us. Who he says we are to be true. And we must trust those words to get us through when our circumstances don't match up. The first thing the angel said to Mary was this. Luke chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Gabriel shows up, horrifying in and of itself. Um, And that's why the angels always, when they pop into the picture, the first thing they say is what? Don't be afraid. Okay. First thing he said to Mary was this, greetings you who are what? Highly favored. And this is a peasant girl, 13, 14 years old, just scratching by, trying to get through each day. Greetings you who are highly favored. In other words, you are loved beyond measure. And that's the message of Christmas. 
at the heart of everything that we do this time of the year, the pomp, the circumstance, the the gift giving, the, the decorations, everything, at the heart of it is the reality that because of what God has done for us in Christ, we are loved beyond measure. God is love. And this is the ultimate expression of His character. Greetings, you who are highly favored. In other words, Mary, you are of infinite value in God's eyes. Never forget that. Regardless of your circumstances. No matter how hard it got, how imperfect that first Christmas became, how difficult the next 33 years would be for Mary... She held on to those words. She trusted that God loved her. That He had a plan and a purpose for her even when all appeared to be lost. And as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, remember, your circumstances are not the measure of God's love for you. Do you hear me? It is hard Not to feel like that's the case. Not to equate what we experience in the situation we find ourselves in with the degree that God loves us. But they are two entirely different things. And God has a plan. God has a purpose. Even when we just have no clue what it is. And sometimes when we think we know exactly what it is, it ain't that. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It's about trust, man. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's about faith. But that's hard. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and what? Certain of what you cannot see. Really? That's a tall order. But that's what it's about. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, your circumstances are not the measure of God's love for you. They are an opportunity for you to return His favor. To love God through them. To love others anyway. The same way He's loved you. While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. Anyway. Anyway. You are loved beyond measure, highly favored. Mary clung to those words and to these. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. His presence. In other words, you are never alone. You are never alone. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You're in a tough place. You're in a lonely place place but you are never alone if you have surrendered by faith your life to jesus christ and received the gift of forgiveness received his love the holy spirit takes up residence in your life from here to eternity and you are never alone christmas is a lonely time for a lot of people if you've lost a loved one or you're separated from loved ones. This time of year can foster feelings not of joy, 
but of sorrow and of loneliness. And through her tears, everything Mary saw, fast forward 33 years, everything that she saw at Calvary contradicted these angels' words. Jesus was on the cross. His death was assured by the guard who pierced him. Her son was gone. She was alone. But in the end, love would rise again. Never to leave her. Never to forsake her. Through the tears, through the times when all seems lost, the Lord is with you. You are not alone. And he whispers to you as the angel did to Mary, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You have nothing to fear. As Paul told Timothy, God's not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Joseph received that same message when the angel spoke to him. Don't be afraid. The shepherds were told the exact same thing when the the angel came to announce Jesus' birth. Do not fear. Man, this Christmas, remember that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. The coming of Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Perfect love casts out all all fear, And it is that love manifest in a manger that we celebrate, that we cling to as Christians. It's an unconquerable love that no circumstance or situation can separate us from. It's a love capable of casting out every fear. Paul put it this way. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul said, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth nor anything in all of creation. I think that covers it all. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Finally, the angel leaves Mary with these words, speaking of the miracle that would happen in her cousin Elizabeth. And and the child that would be born through a, a barren womb, John the Baptist, ultimately. Mary, le- uh, the, the angel left Mary with these words, and I'll leave you with these words this morning. <laughs> For nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what mountain you're climbing today, hold on to those words. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary would witness that firsthand as Jesus stepped out of the grave 
to declare once and for all that love wins. That love wins. That love finds a way when we receive it and when we give it away. Man, no matter what you're facing this Christmas, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, remember this. You are loved beyond measure. You are never alone. You have nothing to fear. And so regardless of the situation you're in, man, let love win. Let love find a way. In the end, may each of our lives be defined by those three words. I love you. Receiving them from God and speaking them into the lives of others. Let's turn our attention to the screen.